Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notetoscene at gmail.com. So much to talk about this week. Big news from A Day to Remember and Fallout Boy. But first, we're going to talk about Of Mice and Men, who are moving forward without former singer Austin Carlisle. Full steam ahead. All right, let's go. So Kylo Ren doesn't know what emo is. What the hell is that all about, man? How does you not know what emo is, especially at this point in his career with everything that happened with that first Star Wars movie? And the fact that like the Kylo Ren is emo Twitter account. Right, that's all I'm talking about. Twitter account of, you know, that year. What was the exact quote? What he said, um, what is that? Like when they when Rolling Stone brought up emo, he yeah, was like, like what is was, emo? He was completely oblivious. He was acting. This. He was acting. This, <laughs> Rolling Stone, they seemed they they communicated his sincerity. You know, Vulture Vulture had this great quote. I got to read. Um, they said, Adam Driver, a man who looks like a member, a lost member of Taking Back Sunday. Adam Driver, who can probably sing Dashboard Confessional at karaoke without even looking at the monitor. Adam Driver, whose Star Wars character definitely sobs in private to My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Doesn't know what emo is. <laughs> Pretty crazy. I thought yeah. Vulture hit that nail on the head right there. Absolutely. I don't understand, especially even after all the press that he was getting. The Twitter right. account, the, the Spotify playlists. It was everywhere. Yep. It was pretty funny, too. We, I wrote a lot about it when I was at AP. Mm-hmm. That was after you left. But I couldn't believe this story when it broke. I was like, what? What is even happening anymore? All right. Let's get into our listener questions of the week. Our first question comes in from listener Zoe D, who writes into note to Zoe says, hi, boys. Thank you for this great podcast. Longtime listener. You are part of the reason I am trying to be a music reporter. That's awesome to hear, Zoe. Anyway, my point of this email. I was listening to the podcast when you mentioned the new being is an ocean sound, and it got me thinking that more and more scene bands are turning to more electronic sounds. My question is, do you think that the future of the scene is more electronic inspired or not? All the best, Zoe. Um, To answer your question, Zoe, I'm going to say no. Um, We kind of already went through a major electronic period Mm -hmm. with metalcore and bands like Scout Drive, Amorosa, just tons of bands. There was really a gold rush of that stuff that already happened. But it's tough because you got a band like Paris who were sort of like the electronic chosen ones. Right. And they went in the opposite direction and made this like <laughs> earthy indie cave rock shit, you know, that we had to deal with. They they didn't do the dark pop electronic album we thought they were going to do. But then on the other on the other side of the coin, you have Bring Me the Horizon, who have gotten progressively more and more electronic as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. So what it comes down to here is I don't think EDM is the future or the past of the scene at this point. It's just it has always been there and kind of always will be omnipresent in music in our scene. That's kind of where it is. It's not, there's no revolution coming. It's just kind of there. How about you, T-Sharp? Yeah, for sure. Same page. The scene, like we've talked about, we, we just don't really know 
what the future looks like for the scene because it looks like there isn't much of a future for the scene. Um, <laughs> to bring things even into a more recent lens, we saw the new Water Park single has pop top 40 EDM elements in it, which I thought was really interesting to see in a new wave neon song. But that's just going to be an option. I truly don't believe like that's going to take over and become a movement again. Uh, if you want to look at SoundCloud rap, the scene won't accept it. For whatever reason, the scene won't accept it. Lil Peep was kind of our only hope, and, and you know, we don't have him anymore. So if you want to look at bands like Nothing Nowhere and then Lil Aaron and so on, if the scene can get behind that and fully embrace it, then obviously there's there's definitely going to be an electronic element involved in it for sure. But right now we're just kind of at a standstill with everything. So I think electronics will always be an option in the scene, but I don't see it completely taking over. I'm with you there. Just not going to happen. Um, our list, our next question comes in from listener Dustin. Dustin says, Dear Matt and Tyler, I'm a fan of the podcast. It keeps me entertained at work in between stops as I am a delivery driver. Some people call me a scene veteran as I am 29 and have been listening to music in the underground scene since I was a senior in high school. I've been I've seen the ups and downs of groups and artists and watched them come in hot and drop like flies. I keep pretty active with up and coming acts, but your episode about Lil Peep being this generation's Kurt Cobain really has me in confusion. I'll be honest, I didn't listen to the entire episode, but the title alone really speaks volumes that don't need to be turned up to 11. Yes, he passed. Yes, it was tragic. Yeah, I realize he was popular, but I really think your personal liking for his music is masking the fact that a lot of people in the scene had no idea who he was. It's your podcast. You will cover who and what you want. And I respect that. But the title alone really gives this guy more credit than he should get as far as his impact on music and this scene. All the best, Dustin. First off, um, Dustin, <laughs> just to respond to that, I want to say we stand by the credit we give Lil Peep mm-hmm. and the impact um, he will have on music, as does the New York Times, Pitchfork, Pete Wentz, Travis Barker, Sam Smith, Good Charlotte, Lil Uzi, and the rest of the music industry. He was the future. <laughs> but... Secondly, I want to say we understand Peep isn't for everyone. Totally. Yet, Dustin, you might just catch on, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, that's why we made it a bonus episode. We didn't, uh, this episode was an extra piece of content we made that didn't interfere with your normal Monday show. And that's the reason we did it, because we understand Peep isn't for everyone. And, um, you know, that said, we can agree to disagree on Peep, and but we really appreciate your feedback and you taking the time to write in. Totally. Thanks for writing in. This is I love when we get stuff like this that kind of goes against what we say because it's good to have these discussions. But just to put Peep's future, what we know of it, into context, he had a song that they were teasing at live shows that was done with Wiz Khalifa. And we talked about the backing that he had on this epi- on our Peep episode. It was insane he was you know his man he was managed by eminem's agent who's kara lewis and the whole industry was just getting behind this guy and despite that despite having all these opportunities and all these mainstream doors being open for him he wanted to be in our world he wanted to be in the scene he wanted to be at warp tour he wanted to be at alternative press and he he loved everyone from under oath and chiodos to fallout boy and brand new like you name it that kid was into it and i, think I mean they that were 
the they were just thing. playing Blink One Eighty Two and My Chemical Romance at his memorial. You yeah, know? those were they played his favorite songs. Right, and, you know that's what he loved, and you know he was just in the alternative press offices not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So we got to move on though, Tyler. All and right, go into our main story this week, which is of Mice and Men. So of Mice and Men released the title track from their new Rise Records album Defy, uh, the first album without singer Austin Carlisle. This follows the singles Unbreakable, Back to Me, and Warzone, which we will talk about in a minute. But um, let's first off, what are your impressions of the song Defy, Tyler Sharp? It's not good. This is Breaking <laughs> Benjamin meets Three Days Grace, and it's kind of what we were just expecting from the band. But I was hoping for a little bit more punch. This song mm. just kind of fades into the background. I think if you put it in front of a radio rock bro, they're going to be like, yeah. That sounds good, but it's not going to be a hit. It's not going to get momentum. To put it into perspective, it has 82,000 Spotify streams so far and only 167,000 YouTube streams. Um, To put that into perspective, Pain, which was the first single off Cold World, shot to half a million views on YouTube like within the first couple days, and it's went on to get a ton more. But this song is not what they needed. It needed to be bigger. And it's not going to put them on the level that they need to be with this album. It, they're just fading. They're fading and the album isn't even out yet. But what do you think about the song, Matt? I'm kind of right with you there. You know, this song is just basically like your okay rock radio mm-hmm. fodder, you know, compared mm-hmm. to some of the bands you mentioned. Um, I, I do. I like the shouting chorus. I think that's an okay part of it like that's the standout part to me but overall i'm kind of at like a six out of ten on the song i really um i liked the first two singles unbreakable and back to me i thought those worked a lot better but um after them we got we got warzone which was like this half-assed dive (laughs) back into metalcore and and that really pissed me off so the band are kind of in this weird spot now where we had these these two early singles that looked like they could have performed well at radio and then they dropped this half-ass metalcore track, and now they drop this. Uh, it, I don't know. This song could work at rock radio, but it's just it's not. It's of, so. It's not there. You know, it's right. not superstar caliber. Absolutely, it's so middle of the road. But yeah, like you said, we were so stoked on Unbreakable. I rem- I still remember doing that episode because the song dropped while we were recording it, and we took a break, and we come back in, and I edited it into the episode. Right. We were stoked on it. Like, we were thinking maybe this could work. Maybe Aaron Pauly could carry this band into the rock metal bro world. But that song, for me, it's honestly just been decent ever since that knee-jerk reaction that we had to it. Scene yeah. Kids Don't Want It. Back to Me, which I mean, was the second single, it peaked at the mid-30s on rock radio, and it just couldn't climb anywhere. And no new singles have been sent, as far as I know. And if they have, they haven't made any dent whatsoever. Their core I mean, fan base just doesn't want this sound, and the metal radio bros don't, obviously, just don't want it either. When that song dropped, like, we were in, I yeah, remember. Um, yeah. But it's like, we were in, and the band sort of pivoting into this radio rock role that they could fill they looked like they were capable of pulling off but like you go back to warzone that video like they're really trying to make aaron volley like a centerpiece of the band and not sort of act like your typical rock radio band that dude is not a front man that can carry a band you know they really need to present themselves as a unit and not him as like this idea of of mice and men because he's just not He's not the type of dude that can pull it off, you know, and they're going the wrong direction. Like you said, 
there's no rock radio play. Like, they're off the charts. They're nowhere to be seen. Yeah. So we were kind of evaluating, you know, can the band survive without Austin? It seemed like no at first, but then we had a little hope with (laughs) Unbreakable and this rock radio pivot potential. But now sort of reassessing, looking at it, what do you think, Tyler? I mean, do you think, can they pull it off? Currently, no, because like we're going to talk about in a second with the tour, they are not where they need to be right now. These songs aren't sticking on rock radio. They're not getting the momentum they need. And their actual fan base that they have that is already established are so mm-hmm. indifferent about the songs that it's just not carrying them anywhere. Like, And they're coming they're coming off a pretty fucking big handicap when you think about it, because even with us and Cold World fucking tanked. Like, Cold right? World debuted right. it with 14,000 first week, coming down from Restoring Force, which did 51,000 first it week. Was, it was so like people were already out. The... Ni- it was like 18 or 19,000 first week. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure. It was I close 14. to 20. Okay. Um, but it was about a 50% drop. A little bit It over. was in the teens. Yeah. And they previously did 51,000 first week. So right. one of the worst drops we've seen in the scene. Mm-hmm. So people were already out the fucking door on a Mice and Men before Austin left. You know, and now he's gone. So I just, I really see them in this terrible position. You know, it's not going to work. They needed radio success. They needed maybe a major label. It doesn't seem like it's happening. But so now they, they've announced a tour with Bless the Ball, like R.I.P., you know, Kane Hill <laughs> and uh, Fire from the Gods, who had some hype a long time ago. I don't know if they still have any hype left. Um, you know, they're playing Thousand Cap Rooms, House of Blue Size. Like, these are way smaller than when Austin was in the band and they were playing closer to like 2,000 caps, you know. I don't even know if they sell this tour out. I don't think so at all. And that's so sad <laughs> looking at the lineup. But like... I don't know for a fact, but I'm I'm certain in within myself that they got turned down from every rock radio tour that they submitted for because you mm-hmm. know that they were trying to get on another Slipknot headliner, a Breaking Benjamin headliner, even like a Three Days Grace headliner because that was the last tour that the band did with Austin was opening for Slipknot and Marilyn Manson over right. summer of like 2016, I think it was. So yeah, last summer. <laughs> This is a pile of washed up shit to her, man. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, this is like the everything, everybody who's on their way out tour. You know what I mean? Like, like the fucking right. Like you said, sweeping it into the fucking broom, sweeping the broom into the, the pan thing, like dump yeah, it in the man. trash. Like this Bless is the fall. They're on the hardest Ooh. downslope. Kane Hill. They can fucking keep their new wave, new metal shit. It's not going anywhere. Fire from the gods. They had like this spark of hype when they first signed a rise, but Fucking, they got put on the, the, the like, the, the punk stage at Warp Tour over the summer. Yeah, no one never, even knew they happened. were there. No, no one ever caught on. So this is just, it's sad to see at this point. And this tour is not going to help in any way. No, you know, if you're going to be pivoting towards this radio rock sound, they really should be opening for, like, a Chevelle or a Breaking right. Benjamin. You know what Absolutely. I mean? That's their move. They should, that's really where they should be. But like you said, for whatever reason, I mean, you got a band like, Breaking Benjamin looks at it and says, oh, you just lost your front man, and we probably don't want you opening for us. I can understand that. that, It's that sales drop, man, from Restoring Force to Cold World. That's fucking ridiculous, dude. If you show that to any promoter, they're like, whoa, no. (laughs) And you lose your your star. 
Right. You know, yes. I, like I could see them 500 kids max, you know, 300 to 500 God, kids, dude. you know, showing yeah. out to the store maybe. Yeah. Like, I'd are like there to any football see... fans left? Like <laughs> shout out to casino.com if you exist, you know? Right. Like, are they gonna, we up. know they're not going to draw Kate Hellfire from the gods. That's like 10 kids. Right. There's some random band that's opening the tour too. So there's, there's literally like how many bands on this tour? Six? <laughs> five. There's five bands on this tour. Yeah. So maybe you ridiculous. see like 300 old school OM&M bands like show out just to show out, you know, and 500 on a good day. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Just yelling, play second in Sebring the whole time. Oh my God. Play second in <laughs> Sebring. Play You Dig. Play 7,000 Miles. Play Still You Diggin'. There's a song on the new album actually called uh, like Forever Still You Diggin' or something. Shout out to 2012 Metalcore, man. Shout it out. It's called Forever You Diggin'. Yeah. So, I mean, hope that there's something maybe to look forward to, but um, we got to do our... uh, We gotta do the first week prediction, Tyler. Um, we gotta. Oh yeah. Is, yeah. This is uh. This is kind of tough. What do you think? What do you think? So as we've talked about, restoring force. Do you think it did 18k? I think it did 14k. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. I'm almost like 99% sure it, it did 18,000 first week. Okay, we'll go with you and we'll say 18k. Um, the one before that. Um, I'm sorry, not restoring force. Cold world. Cold did, world did that. Restoring force did 51k. Where do you see Defy? selling tyler i'm putting it even with sleeping with sirens 12k okay i'm at 11k okay we're close i'm just a little lower um but yeah that's kind of where i see them ending up the over under bet right here (laughs) i think a lot you know a lot of of mice and men fans fans are gonna just kind of buy this record unknowing you know i think that's gonna be the the majority of the people who buy it the ones who just don't really know what's going on with the band it's hard to be unknowing at this point man the singles are out the reason that neck deep was able to move all those copies over the summer and falsely lead people on to an album is because they didn't drop singles over the summer the diehard, <laughs> you know? diehards who just get pre-order immediately though you know they, how many of those gonna, are left man they're gonna get they're gonna get whoever did it for cold world you know those 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 kids are gonna oh, they hit I don't the pre-order know, button man. already and they're gonna get a surprise in the mail there is a spark yeah. of hope left at cold world there's no hope here there's no hope here <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story, which right. is a day to remember. A day to remember announced a big tour with Papa Roach, Falling Universe, and The Devil Wears Prada. Are you going to go to this tour, Tyler Sharp? I honestly would love to go to this tour, man. Papa Roach, I, right? As a fan. Yeah, Papa Roach. Roach, obviously. No, dude, I'm going for fucking <laughs> Prada, man. <laughs> that, that's my OGs right there. I hope they, uh, I'm just going to yell, <laughs> play Dogs Grow Beards all over. The entire time. (laughs) Um, This feels like a bit of a cry for help. This whole tour. Good for Papa Roach, I guess. Like, I think that they're going to grow from this. I think that they might steal some Scene Kid fans, which is what they kind of want to do at this point. This is the last time Falling in Reverse and Devil Wears Prada will ever play anything this big. If you just go through like the first five dates, you got a 5,000 cap, a 3,000 cap, a 10,000 cap, a 7,000 cap, a 4,600 cap. Yeah. Can- kind of riding in that 5,000 cap range, right, which is right where we sort there. of expect a day to remember to be. You know, there's like a For random sure. 10K in there that you know they're not going to sell right, out. Obviously. And it's like, it's in St. Louis. This is what we expect, but it's like they kind of have strong support on this tour when you think about it. So it's like you would almost expect more of a. Day- we would have expected more of a right, day to remember exactly. at this point in their, 
here. Like exactly. And Papa Roach, like they they have a core fan base that shows out. You know, they're always on radio. They've had big radio hits this year, so it, that's pretty strong support. You know, and um, Falling Reverse did decent. Prada has have 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 obviously fallen off, but you know, I think they still have their core fans who are going to show out. So you just would have kind of thought. ADTR would be playing bigger shows at this point, but instead they're still in their kind of where they are three years they, ago. Yeah, yeah like right, so might, right. shows might even be smaller than the what was the big tour they did, um, the big one with the fucking hamster ball. Oh uh, gosh, yeah, I can't remember who was on that tour, but it was the one was before that, the Blink tour. Yeah. So do you think that they could sell these out? You know, I don't know. It's like the band have been away for a while you know mm-hmm. they've complete completely fallen off the charts by the way bullfight is nowhere to be found you know bad song anyway but like they tried to push we got this remember ah, and that fell, anywhere, man. fell right on its face man that went nowhere you know so the band really haven't had any radio success since paranoia which you know i'm sure all the papa roach fans are going to appreciate hearing that live because that's like right up their fucking alley but right right so the band haven't had much scene success and they haven't had much radio success with their radio rock record so i don't know you know i don't know i just don't know if i don't know if i agree with branding it as an anniversary tour anniversary tours are made for bands whose pasts were brighter than their futures like it's a way to recapitalize off your peak. I just don't know if branding it as a 15 year anniversary tour and you're going to be playing all your old shit. I I don't know if that's a good idea. I think this a day to remember still have the chance to have a very bright future and right and peak as a band all over again. So I don't think it's time to look back just yet. And I don't really like that they're rebranding it or branding it as that, but still shout out to the 20,000 shares. The announcement post got on Facebook. Like that's some solid exposure They're You know, they've only made one minor misstep with bad vibrations, right? And a minor, minor misstep. So we can't count them out, you know, and they had some successes there. But yeah, that's why I don't like them looking back. Yeah. So it's not time to look back yet, guys. Like, let's let's make a banger album. Let's move forward, which I don't know. You know, hopefully we get the new record this year. Um, Why don't just drop like all I want part two as a standalone. That's all they got (laughs) to do. That's all they got to fucking do. Send that sucker to radio. You get a top 10 hit. You get momentum, tour offers. This band could keep rolling. I don't like when they're looking back. You don't see fucking Bring Me the Horizon doing a 15-year anniversary tour. No, they don't want anything to do with their old shit. You know what I mean? They're plunging forward into the future and selling way more records because of it. Um, Exactly. A day to remember, stumbling here. A little bit. That's troubling to see because this is, you know, as of our last episode, this was our biggest scene band. So Right. As the scene continues to burn, this is not a good sign. <laughs> we got to move on, Tyler Sharp, All right. and talk about our next story, which is Fall Out Boy. Um, Fall Out Boy gave a really interesting interview to Rolling Stone That's about the band's midlife crisis. And I thought this was a very insane interview. Like It, it just looked at the mess that has been the mania rollout. Um, you know, they're talking about the failure of Young and Menace and the failure of Champion as lead singles. And the band are just speaking very candidly about it. Like Pete Uh says, quote, the songs were trying to serve everybody, but they weren't going to be compelling to anybody. It felt like all bread and no meat. There was no spicy mustard or anything. Like this is Pete (laughs) talking about music he just released. He's shitting on songs he just just released. You know, we don't really 
we don't really see bands do that. I thought, you know, it's very interesting. Bands are always, you know, uh, you know, even if an album tanks and does shitty, you'll still see band members be like, I'm really proud of the work we did. He's like, no, this shit sucks. Like, I just couldn't believe I was reading Fallout Boy. You know, their fucking A and R, their label and their publicist had to be like, no, 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 you know no, what I mean? don't because, say it. Yep. Because like at the same time, you know, Pete's trashing all these singles, but they're still on the fucking they're album. Still, that's what I was just about to say. He, they're still on your yeah. product that you're gonna be selling. I couldn't believe he it. He just man. said these songs are the problem. So if those songs are the problem, why are you keeping them on the album? <laughs> those are throwaways. You forget that that happened. You call the album something different. You change everything. You rebrand. You do an about turn. I can't believe that we're still going forward with Mania. It's Another insane. blunder. Another followed by blunder. You just said these songs suck and they're going to be on the album. You can't, you can't do that. And I don't... I. 100% do not think that their newest singles that they've released since they quote unquote rewrote the album mm-hmm. are good enough. They're not on radio. None of them are burning. And that's a problem for Fallout Boy. It's so crazy because you think back to like everything has just been a big blunder and a big what with this rollout because <laughs> when they when they were saying they were going to scrap the album, I think I remember you and I were talking and you were like there's no way they're scrapping the album because they've already booked an entire arena tour to support it. <laughs> it. You know, it just seemed impossible. But yet they did. They scrapped the fucking album and they did the you tour. Scrapped the album and you, <laughs> yeah, and now they have to do the tour and you're keeping the bad singles on the album. But um, I don't know. I see "Hold Me Tight" or "Don't" as a bright spot. I think it's it's a potential good reset. You know, it's riding the Latin pop wave. It could catch, could go. Um, well, what the hell's taking them so long to submit it? Why isn't it on the charts? I don't know. I, Mania is, this is just going to be a very, you know, Mania needs to be examined by like a team of scientists, you know, for 20 <laughs> years under a microscope. Like this is everything you can do wrong with a rollout. But um, it's just a fascinating fucking interview. You know, they, they also randomly like looked back at their career and we're talking about the quote was none of the emo bands messed with us. And, you know, they were talking about how like bands like King Back Sunday and Brand New didn't want to play with them because it's funny to think back to, but there was a point in the scene kind of w- right when Corkshire was blowing up when it was really uncool to like Fall Out yes, Boy. Like absolutely. you beat up at a show for liking Fall Out Boy. And uh, it's true. And it's funny to hear the band say that, that. Like none of those, you know, cool emo bands wanted to mess with them. It'd be like wearing a Bring Me the Horizon shirt to like a Trapped Under Ice show. Like that, right. that was the exactly. equivalent because Fall Out it, Boy was came out of weird, the hardcore scene. Right. There's just this weird period where like, because Fall Out Boy were so cool when they put out Take This to Your Grave. It was so cool like uh-huh. Fall Out Boy. And then Cork 3 blew up, got on radio, and it was like, this band sucks. Fucking you know, everybody said this. Yeah. And everybody moved on to panic. And You were totally right, though. I love the candidness of this interview, regardless of whether or not it was yeah. good or bad, ultimately. But right. Joe commented, they brought up the concept of anniversary tours and how they haven't even acknowledged Infinity on High is turning 10 this year. And I loved his quote. He sa- Joe says... I'm going to sound like a jerk, but we are still doing the band and making records. We are not on a 10 anniversary, 10 year anniversary tour. We are still an active band. That is not an easy thing to do. He's just basically shitting on every band that's Absolutely. doing an anniversary tour saying like, 
sucks to suck guys but you peaked yeah. we haven't and i love all, I love all the that bands that wouldn't that fucking tour with them all the emo bands that wouldn't tour with them right exactly yeah you all fucking are peaked, now like... doing anniversary shows you know right shout out to taking back sunday like that was a cocky that. statement and i liked it this I interview know. was just like a hot mess but i loved it you know it's like everything your press training tells you not right, to do right and when you ignore your side. publicist and you ignore your label you actually have a great interview like so many gems like they were talking about, you know, playing how they get to play Jingle Ball with Taylor Swift and Ed right. Sheeran. And how they're like, they're sort of the only rock band out there that is like poppy enough to play that lane. And the quote Pete said, he says, when we play those things, it literally feels like we're pl- we're Slayer or something, you know, to the <laughs> audience. And that just made me crack the fuck up, uh-huh. you know. They come out there, the only rock music these kids have heard in, you know, 10 years probably. It's great stuff. For sure. It was, it's, yeah, that was a, that was a hot mess, but it was fun to watch, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. watch that interview go down and they got press off of it. AP posted about it. Roxhound posted about it. It's mm-hmm. good for them. Yeah. Too bad the music isn't there yet. Yeah. They're just flailing all over the place and we'll see where they land, but we got to move on to our next story, which is our pop story, which is a uh, Korean boy group, BTS. Uh, Tyler, why don't you why don't you tell listeners what BTS? Yeah, I'm sure every listener out there is like, "What the fuck? They're going off again." (laughs) It's another fucking pop story derailing the whole show. I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. BTS are the biggest band in the world right now, and Matt does not agree (laughs) with me, but I swear by that. They're a K-pop boy band from South Korea. They formed in 2013, and they're basically taking over the world right now. They've sold over 5 million albums. They have 10.3 million Twitter followers, over 2.1 billion YouTube views, and they've had number one songs in over 73 countries. And before Matt brings up his rebuttal... Except America. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Before Matt brings up his rebuttal about how they haven't hit yet in America and their Spotify listeners are super low, Spotify is not available in South Korea, which is where their fan base is generated and now it's just spreading out across the entire globe. So if they had it there, I guarantee they'd be dominating the the world uh, top 50 Spotify chart, but they're nowhere to be found yet, except for this week. So this week, they've started their takeover of America. And they played Ellen, they played Jimmy Kimmel, and before that, they played the AMA Awards. And they just released a new song called Mic Drop, which they released. So they released Mic Drop on an album. They released a remix version of it, which was done by Steve Aoki. And now they've just released a new version of that remix with Designer who is a rising kind of rapper right now. So what do you think of Mic Drop, Tyler Sharp? I think it's a fucking banger for Banger Nation, man. It's time to stand up because this song is going to take over. It's grating. It's in your face. It's just like the most aggressive EDM you can find right now. And I fucking love it, man. Like these guys are just going so hard on stage. I don't give a shit if they're lip syncing or not. These This band is so just enthralling to watch. And it makes me so happy that there is a Beatles type moment happening somewhere in the world right now for a band. 
that just makes me so excited because music is just not what it used to be and it's not the commercial monster that it once was so to see a band having this kind of success makes me happy and this song is probably going on my songs of the year list but all right i'll get i'll get down off my soapbox now matt what do you think about this song and bts as a whole right now okay so starting off with bts as a whole like not only am i not about it i'm actively against oh Um, here we go the song i hate this song like i truly deeply hate this song like to me this sounds like if you took like everything that was cool in club music in 2010 mixed it with some of the tropius like nintendo core pre-choruses tropes in (laughs) k-pop and then had michael bay produce the song like that's what this sounds like to me i mean i really can't take this and you know part of me might just be like bitter because i really really like k-pop like i really like i more so really like a lot of the girl groups over there that i think are doing really interesting and fun things with electro pop whether you're talking about like a red velvet or like a girl's generation i'd rather see one of those girl groups cross over here to me that would be so much fun but instead we get these fucking jokers and their stupid hats and their stupid fucking dances Come and i'm on, just so man. i'm so upset man you know um they've sold more records in south korea obviously they're huge and successful they've sold more records in south korea than there are people in korea so it's like <laughs> i think the people of south korea have finally overthrown the tyranny of this band that they had to live under and they threw them over to our shores and now we have to deal with them they tried to they, they tried to throw sai at us you know stop doing this like no sai was a your, joke this is not a joke us, stop doing this Korea. send us your good artists like this I, is I will good ride, i will ride for hyuna like bubble pop for life you know the girl can sing four minute reunion send us some good stuff I, i'm upset so mic drop to for rebuttal for you saying that uh this is not good and it shouldn't happen over here mic this drop is the transformers of music songs and it's fantastic mic drop is uh it's the hot 100 for this week hasn't been released yet but it's uh forecasted to debut in the top half right around like 39 which is fucking insane for a song to debut at that like that Mm -hmm. and this would be bts's first time on the chart it's currently Mm -hmm. on top 40 radio and it just got submitted i think last week i'm not for sure on that but last week had 148 spins and it was at number 62 on top 40 it's has jumped up to 50 this right now as we stand and it has had 640 plays this past week which is an increase of 332 percent this song is going to climb the charts i'm i would put a lot of money on it being a top 10 hit i think this band is going to take over and we are just seeing the beginning of what bts is going to do to america if you don't believe me so, go watch the Jimmy Kimmel performance and go watch the Ellen performance. It is absolutely so, insane. Speaking of the charting, I mean, we don't know how much the label's down payment for that sure. chart position was. And it, it, it could have been nothing. Sure. It could have been nothing. They could have paid a lot of money. We don't really know. We sure. never know in these situations. So I always consider that. You know, I know it's at 50 right now in radio. I haven't heard it at all on pop radio. I just don't think it's going to get any radio play. And I think once it it debuts at that strong chart position. I just, I think it's going to swan dive off the charts. Like, I just think like that, even their, their single DNA was way better than this one. And that only reached no. number 60. No. Like, I just don't think that was at least like a fully formed song. I just don't think this one's 
I don't think it's going anywhere, man. I can't hear this on American radio. <laughs> I just can't hear it in regular rotation. Like, this is not K-pop's Despacito, yo. It's just, there's no way. But it it's... Uh... Foreign artists are taking over America, man. And I know this is the exact opposite of the Latin pop overload that we're witnessing. Yeah. But I just think it's it's people in America are enjoying other cultures. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that people are just going to gravitate towards this band because I, th- I, mean, I don't think a lot of people in America are aware that K-pop exists. That's just a shame. I love K-pop. Like, send me, you know, Girls' Generation. Send me Hyuna. Send me your good, awesome artists. Send me your awesome girl groups. <laughs> Please don't send this. But come on, let's not do this, guys. Let's like, come do on. this. It, it doesn't even matter at this point because it's fucking happening, man. I, I don't know. I think we'll see you know we this is my see. moment i'm saying it's, this is my moment like you know the, the microsoft i'm scared because like the microsoft guy you know <laughs> he went on stage and he said nobody's ever gonna pay for an apple phone and this is that moment for me i'm saying nobody's gonna buy into this shit and i really hope they don't but we'll see what happens all right man I'm, I, it's right. gonna happen i'm down let's for move it. on to our next story which is escape the fate uh escape the fate released the second single from their sixth album i am human great title guys song is called do you love me another great title nice work guys um what do you think of it tyler this song is something empire the first song we got was absolutely nothing something i will take that this is something and it's not something off this war is ours this is just just the things just something just the things that are just the things that are not not things right this this exists in a way this that is just existing right this exists Musically. in a way that i'm thankful i had to question whether or not it's a pile of shit this mm-hmm. is like the essence of garbage like when you take the trash out and there's like mm-hmm. a smell that lingers in the room that's what this song is and mm-hmm. it has a passable chorus Mm -hmm. it has passable post-hardcore escape the fate moments throughout it the riff the vocal melody there's some some like maybe five percent of old escape the fate magic in this song but the rest of it is just cock rock bullshit take the fucking solo out I don't care, Thrasher, <laughs> that you can play guitar. Congratulations. What do you want, a fucking cookie? Oh Take it out of the fucking song. We all know you love the Guitar Hero, Thrasher. We get right, it. exactly. Yeah, go listen to Dragon Force in your mom's basement. Yeah, it's exactly. over. Exactly, go. <laughs> it's fucking over. Get out of the band. Bring back the, the Money Brothers. That's what we want. This song, I'm at a 6 out of 10 with this song. I could go on more and more, but this is much better than Empire. And that doesn't take much to say, but for Escape the Fate... I guess I'll take it at this point. Where are you at with it, Matt? Um, I'm kind of in the similar ballpark as you. I think it's it's definitely better than Empire, which was a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you almost couldn't call that a song. Mm-mm. Like, this is at least a fully formed rock song. Mm-hmm. It just kind of feels so uninspired at moments. Yes. And I'm probably at like a five to five and a half out of ten on the song. You know, okay. there are, like you said, there's like a five percent of old escape the fate in it and i think that's even being generous i might like <laughs> knock that down to three percent because i do love a couple moments in the song and what yeah. it, i really just love hearing craig's more post hardcore screams mm-hmm. in that chorus they're very tearing like they're very old school craig screaming and like that's about all i really love in the song is just hearing those moments in the chorus um craig quoting about this album I haven't been this excited to release something since I first joined the band and we put out This War Is Ours. Come on, guy. 
Really? He has. Like, of course, Matt. He has oh to say God. that. He has to fucking say. It. What's he gonna you need say? The music. You need the music to back that up. Come on. He doesn't give a shit. He's, they're all talking out of their asses. You know how these band bros are. Well, I, I wish he would have said, it's better than hate me. <laughs> right? At least uh, that's what he should have said to the reporter. Well, I think it's better than hate me. This song is better than anything off hate me. So Agreed. And it's better than the last single. But like, you know, we it's just, it's kind of meh. But I mean, meh is better than Dumpster Fire. So progress maybe like a little potential should i have a little hope i don't know man we need to i think we i guess we need to redefine what progress is yeah <laughs> i mean as the scene goes down like the hindenburg you know i guess we, we do have to redefine get. it yeah this has not been a very positive episode tyler sharp we just we're just here to fucking <laughs> trash on everything scenes it's going been down. a bad couple weeks man it's time like, to get out it's been a bad couple weeks yeah sell sell sell, sell. it is time sell to everything. fucking sell you know what no you like you, it's too late you you missed yeah. your fucking chance you're too late to sell just go down just go down with the you're ship. just going down with your shit go down with point. your honor you know right um, right so howard benson producer right mm-hmm. he has made some of the undeniable emo classics you know my chemical romance is revenge uh all america rejects move along papa roach is getting away with murder um, starting lines based on a true story. Seosin self-titled. You know, he's Flyleaf and Skillet's go-to guy. This guy has made some good fucking records. Yet. He also made ETF's last record. Hate me. I, <laughs> I just don't know. You know, again, I want hope. I see Howard Benson. I'm like, okay, hope. But then I see what he did with them last time. I'm like, this is not a good sign. No and I have hope, written my man. notes. Just, it's over. It's over. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, after after what David Bendis did to Sleeping with Sirens, I have no faith in producers anymore. If it's not Mad Goldman, I'm out. I'll never bet my on man a producer. Made you know, my man made Move Along. You know, what, David what happened Bendith to you? made fucking Paramore and Under Oath records and Breaking Benjamin. He made that band. This just get bad too. I guess that's the takeaway. Scene producers. Are, are going down too. Everyone's going down. Sell, <laughs> sell on producers, sell on labels, sell on bands. Does Joey Sturgis even exist anymore? <laughs> that, that guy's been gone. Yeah, nobody knows where he is. That, that's, he sold that's and all. he got out, man. He sold early and <laughs> right? he got out. He, he did the right all thing. He records, cashed in, and then got out. Got right? the fuck out. Yeah, we got to move on though, Tyler, and talk all about right. our next. Census Fail released the lead single called Double Cross from their new album, If There Is a Light, It Will Find You. Such a census fail title. I love it. <laughs> the first um, and two albums where they aren't trying to be a hardcore band. Uh, what did you think of the song, Tyler Sharp? This is not what we were told we were going to get, man. And I hate to go against the grain. I know this is just the shitter episode, but I- I'm glad that people are excited about this song. But Buddy told us this was going to be the album that was supposed to come in between Let It Unfold You and Still Searching. With this song, that, this is not that. This is maybe a B-side from Life is Not a Waiting Room. I, I, I mean, I'll Ooh. give it to them. At least they're not trying to be a hardcore any, hardcore band anymore because that shit needed to be kicked to the curb <laughs> as soon as that went to the drawing board. That needed to stay with Buddy's side project, Bayonet or whatever the fuck that's called. Boot Knife. This is, it's not called Boot Knife, man. <laughs> <laughs> whatever fucking some sort of small stabbing object yeah this song is it's fun in and of itself i will give it that i'm at a seven out of ten on it it's it's probably could have lived on life is not a waiting room but this isn't what i want man i want fucking let it enfold you i want let it enfold you 
because it's a fun pop punk song but it's not emo we want senses fail post hardcore we want the aggression we want those grating screams like where the hell are those and those screams and the bridge in this song buddy's still trying to do his hardcore shit it's like he forgot how to do it i don't know maybe you just grow up and your vocals change and he needs to fucking shave (laughs) i'm i'm at a seven out of ten on the song i'm i'm i guess i'm just mad i think we were i i don't know this isn't what we were told we were going to get, so I'm disappointed, but if I had to give my unbiased opinion on this song, it's not terrible, and I should live with that and stop complaining. Where are you at with it? So at first, I, I really disliked this song at first because it, it's kind of flat and simple, mm-hmm. and you know, Buddy isn't the same singer anymore, and you brought up the screaming thing, and I think that's less of him trying to be a hardcore screamer and more of just like that's all he can do that's anymore screaming do. wise. I don't think he can hit those same screams he did, you know, in the early like irony of dying is your, mm-hmm. on your birthday sort of stuff. But the song really grew on me because like I'm just so happy to have Senses Fail Back. This was one of my favorite bands and this this is a true return. Like you said, it's not what we were promised. This isn't the spectacular album, you know, in between in between Still Searching and Let Enfold You. But it's a return to some form. You know, mm-hmm. it's a return to Senses Fail. And this song I just found to be very comforting and breezy. And I'm right where you are. I'm at a 7 out of 10. And, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And this is the first time I've been anticipating a Senses Fail record in a long time. And that's nice. It's um, coming out on Pure, Pure Noise Records again, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Bo from Seosin produced this album, and I, ha- I just oh, like I can hear I, I didn't can know hear that. those emo feels like all throughout this song. I can hear that you know Seosin emo. I just hear it in the song, and I like it. Um, it's a very obvious fan service Senses yes. Fail song. Yes, but at this point, I guess that's what I want. You know, Buddy <laughs> tried so long. He tried so long to prove that they were a cred band. You know, and it's just not what they are. They're not good at making hardcore. Leave that to all the bands Tyler Sharp knows about. You know what I mean? They know how to make that kind of music. You know, leave that to Knock Loose. You, buddy, you're not Knock Loose. You, you know, Senses Fail can't make that kind of music. So it's just so nice to hear Senses Fail being Senses Fail again. Like I said, I'm at a 7 out of 10. I'm anticipating with cautious optimism what is to come. Don't tell Buddy that, man. They're label mates with Knocked Loose now, so he <laughs> might he might be hearing that Knocked Loose record, and we might be getting some beatdown riffs on the next Senses Fail album. Oh, no. Right? Right? I'm, I am still excited to hear the rest of this yeah. album, and I hope we get more of the Let It Enfold You emo-y post-hardcore vibe instead yeah. of this pop-punk-era-ish 2007 Senses Fail. But... I'll I'm take just, it. I'm t- I'll take it. You know, they're they're yeah. they're an emo band again, mm-hmm. in some sense, and I, I'm happy about that. Okay, we gotta go to our next story, Tyler, which right. is My Chemical Romance. Their album Danger Days finally went gold and has sold 500,000 copies. Um, you know, this album was a commercial failure, obviously, compared to Revenge <laughs> and Black Parade. Revenge, I think, went double platinum. Black Parade, I think, went double platinum. Those albums all sold. You know. Just insane, insane amounts of records and had huge hits. Um, Danger Days has sort of limped to <laughs> 500,000 copies. You know what I mean? It That's limped a... to gold status. Whereas like Black Parade was gold within the first month of being released. Right, you know, right. this is how many years removed are we? Seven, seven years at this point. It took seven years, you know, and Gerard Way posted about it on Instagram. And of course, he had to make a fucking joke about it because God forbid Gerard Way take an accomplishment seriously. But um, I don't know. What do you think, 
Tyler? Like, where are you with this record? And wh- what do you think about it? Like, it's pulling just, out some success at this, at this point. Yeah, it's just whatever. I, I, I do like a few songs. I just think that uh, limped is a very favorable term for what this album has done. I remember the day... No, I know. Lim- limped would have been correct if it took a year to go gold. It took seven right. years to go gold. This is like... I don't. I don't even know. It is, I don't even know what counts. You Nearly know, it takes a you decade, seven. Man, if it like, takes you seven years to go gold. It's like an I don't even mention. know if it co- if it counts as going gold yeah. at this point, man. It's That's my whole mention. thing about it. It's just like, and like you said about Gerard cracking a joke at it. It's like, dude, can't you take this shit seriously for once? Like you changed like people, fucking people lives. People worked hard on this. You know, like right. you created a whole universe of artists, and you just gotta, you know, post it on Instagram. Like, ho ho ho, we went gold right like fuck that shit man like your band changed lives and you just you just use it to sell your comic books now Mm -hmm. i think that's bullshit gotta say this is my favorite mcr album songs i know that's a controversial opinion (laughs) to have but songs like bulletproof Bulletproof heart (laughs) sing the only hope destroy like i love all those songs to death i had one of the most like fun summers of my life just cranking this album in my car my favorite mcr song though is not on this album. My favorite MCR song is My Way Home is Through You, which is a B-side from Black Parade. What's your favorite MCR song? Interesting. Mine is also a B-side type song um, that they released on like those sing- those dual single series releases after the Danger Deadly Days. Deadly Weapons or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called... Unconven- uh, conventional Weapons. Conventional Weapons. Yep, yeah. that's what they were called. The song's called uh, The Light from Behind Your Eyes. Uh, I, that song I, just will tear your heart apart man i love it it's so fucking haunting i was like this is my chemical romance like yeah. you could play this with an orchestra at wembley man the, there i are, love that song there are a lot of good songs on uh, the, that scattering of eps i also like the song boy division which was mm-hmm. put out uh, that same release i think mm-hmm. That's uh, a good one. um real friends are recording right now with jeremy mckinnon from a day to remember do we care <sighs> I want to care. I want to be excited yeah. about something, man. I really do. And I enjoyed this last single that they put out. I want. It makes me wonder who they wrote it with because I don't think they could have wrote that song. I I don't know. Are we gonna get a Real Friends album? Is Jeremy gonna do his magic, or are we gonna get a Neck Deep album? Like Jeremy, you know, Jeremy put his magic all over. Mm. Life's not out to get you, and it was a fantastic pop punk record, arguably the best new wave pop punk album that we've gotten. Um, mm-hmm. I, he's going to have to dismantle this band from within. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've got dismantle. bad tendencies and, uh, he's going to have to remold them as songwriters. So he's they, got his work cut out for him, but they if, just seem to be doing everything they can to not succeed. So right. he does have us cut out for them, but, but that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If uh, you have any questions for us, feel free to send them in to note to scene at gmail.com and we will ha- happily answer them on the show. Please, if you enjoy the show, take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week. Bye.